On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Clotilda, and she is like one of those people, like Madonna, who goes by one name because she has such <laughs> creativity and talent and so many things going on. You you know when when you have someone you know who goes by one name, they've they've got that stature. So I want to talk about her journey, how she came to this level, uh, balancing you know singing playing music, creating films. Uh, she's about to go on a tour in New York with Chris McCarthy. We're going to talk about that and hopefully her love of beat poets. So welcome to the show, mm-hmm. Clotilda. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Hello from Paris. <laughs> I do love your name. I, I, I know your full name is, is Clotilda Ruyo. Oh, yeah, no, you, you did well, Rulo. Very good. It's hard to pronounce oh, for, for an English speaker usually. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, why, why don't we go, go for it? Um, I'm going to do a quote because you've had such great reviews for your work. You had a, a write-up in the Sunday Times in the U.K., Clive Davis. Mm-hmm. Let me take a stab at this. Clive Davis said of you, Clotilde Rouillot, chanteuse prodigiement doué qui défie les conventions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you did well. <laughs> so, so what but does that mean in English? In English? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, he, he wrote in English, too, because um, UK and Sunday Times. Uh, but uh, he says that I'm defying conventions. Can we, can we just translate it like this? I like that. Well, here, here's <laughs> what I want people to know. Like, I get a lot of your references. You know, I think I would call you avant-garde. You know, you're trying to push the boundaries in your music, your filmmaking. But, but I want to know, like, when you first discovered the Beat Generation Poets and how that inspires you to, you know, today. Um, I, I think that first I've been really inspired by the rhythm of the language, the way they put uh, the words all together and the sounds it creates and how uh, the music coming out from the words is telling, is like a subtitle for uh, the meaning of the words themselves. Really, that, that's the first thing I really enjoyed uh, reading those poems. Even sometimes when some words, I didn't get them right on spot because they are pretty high-level high English. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. I would love just to to pronounce them, to hear them pronounced like we can hear loads of those poems read on on internet, and and just to go through this sound and then dig the meaning uh, out of what the sound inspired me in terms of I don't know, like it's like it's depicting some kind of um, uh, science fiction kind of science fiction um how would you say uh, landscape to me when i hear when i when i read those words so that's that's what i felt first and how it inspired me to to um 
to go outside of the box actually somehow to mm-hmm. to to follow the sound and and uh, yeah and and not not being well, yes not not being boxed in in your creativity well i like when you say landscape because i think that's one of the themes throughout your work whether it's music or filmmaking you you create something that sort of trans transcends you know conscious thought it's more of this you know this world you're creating you're sort of a wor- a world builder and and i think when you create like oh. a landscape you're you're really bringing your audience to this other level that they normally don't have in their conscious thought wow that's thank you <laughs> thank you a lot because yeah it's, it's really touching me what you're saying actually yeah, that's what I'm I'm trying to do with art, generally speaking, being at a, a film like a short film or, or or a play, like an interdisciplinary play, like just the one I just finished with dancers on stage and and projections of the film and and musicians playing live or being like what we're gonna do with Chris, pieces of a song, really intertwining the words of the of Diane de Primas and and Chris's uh, compositions. Yeah, for me, what's what's important is to to bring people into yeah another world, as if they could evade the reality, but not not to go into a fantasy world just to forget ev- about everything and and that, that's it. But more to go into like a mirror of the reality, like a, a um, you know, when you go in, in this, uh, I don't know how you call it, Fête Foraine, we say in French, <laughs> uh, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the merry-go-rounds and everything, and you have these mirrors that reflect your image, but like in a very weird shapes, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So to, to me, creativity has this power and art has this power to yeah to to make you see things in a different way and and then when you come back to the reality wow well you you can look at it like ah hmm maybe oh i didn't think about it or whatever mhm well as a filmmaker you've received a lot of acclaim for your film xxy a lot of film festivals, sure. just a lot of, you know, amazing reviews. And on the surface, I see it like as a celebration of women. You're also celebrating women of many different cultures. You know, to you, you know, what motivated you to make this? And what's the message you're trying to get across in this movie? Well, that, that's a very nice question because... Um, Actually, this movie is, is one part of a, of a two pieces of, of uh, this reflection about women and more generally feminine and how the feminine can exist inside men and women. And with the play I just mm-hmm. finished, I worked on, on, on the feminine inside men bodies. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's true in the film, it was really the feminine embodied in a in women and how they could live their feminine sides without being 
somehow ashamed because, and I think I wanted to talk about it because to me, that's the real problem in, in our society. It's not, it's not only being a woman for, for some of us, but, but it's really to be allowed to, to, to express our feminine side, uh, which means the, our vulnerability, our sensitivity, our um, benevolence, and our capacity to uh, welcome people, and not only thinking mm-hmm. of, I want to be the best, and I want the power, and um, and I want to dominate, which which could be uh, what we say masculine sides, which are very important too to develop oneself. I'm not saying we have to kill everything, but just how can women in our society express their feminine side without being ashamed and without being oppressed? Because most of the time, when they express this side of themselves, then they get oppressed. And um, and in the play I just finished, it's the same, but for men, same question. What does it mean to be a sensible man? What does it mean to be a vulnerable man? And not always to have to be the strong Marlboro cowboy. <laughs> you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, so, yes. So, so that's what I wanted to talk about, definitely. How? What does it mean, and how can we all be on our feminine side without without being afraid of being oppressed or, or destructed because of, because of this? Like young boys, when I talk about it with children, when when we, when I I do this kind of um, workshops with children, they they always say no, but man, they can cry. Like it's always something that that people think, like even children, and, and we say, when, when you say, but why couldn't they? And they say, no, it's, they can't in public because it's, it's, it means to be fragile, which is, wow, interesting. So, and you're ashamed of it, <laughs> you see? That's sad somehow. It's interesting you mentioned the Marlboro Man, because I know, you know, around the world, you know, mm-hmm. That's such a symbol of, you know, American, masculine, almost like this very, you know, individual, independent, you know, self-reliant man who is strong Mm -hmm. and yet unemotional. And this whole Mm -hmm. reconciling, you know, how how should men get in touch with a more emotional side but still retain that strength? Exactly. That, to me, is a big question, and we have the same as women. How can we be both? Because to me, that's the beauty of our world is, is to find the equilibrium in anything in our life. And, and, and to me, that's the most important question we, have, we all have to answer now. It's how we can be both. And, and if, I, I do believe that if we succeed in being both masculine and feminine as women and as men, then there should be more uh, compression between each other and, and less fight. I, uh, I hope so, at least. Well, tell me, Clotilde, the way mm-hmm. so you in, 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 in France look at, you know, the American man, the Marlboro man, I think <laughs> from our perspective, looking at, I guess, mm-hmm. what we would consider the traditional French woman or especially the Parisian woman and, 
Now, I mm-hmm. think this whole idea of this ideal of a strong woman who is also very stylish and makes everything look effortless. And, and do you mm-hmm. find that that's part of your culture, that this need for women to do so much, but they have to make everything look effortless? Yes. I, I, I don't know if it's our culture or is it more like occidental world culture because uh, i have the feeling like the new yorkers the, the the women in new york i know are a bit the same and and when i when i read diane de prima's writing poems i i have the feeling that she was already talking about it and struggling about this question but yes that's definitely true like you have to be the best but yes with so much grace and I don't know, like a butterfly flying, you mm-hmm. know, and <laughs> just perfect all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Well, here's what I'm wondering. Culture. When you do say have that that pressure to make everything appear perfect and effortless, mm-hmm. and this could be for both men and women, but to have that outlet. Sure when you're not perfect and you maybe want to express emotions that aren't polite, do you find that in your music, especially when you get into, um, what would you call it, you know, it verging on noise as opposed to, you know, traditional music and, and you know, expressing True. things on a more almost like um, subconscious level, almost like the primal scream kind of expression. Mm. That, that's very true. I, I love your analysis, I think. Um, it's, yeah, it's raw. I, I like to go on the fringe of the raw sounds and, on, and sounds and, how, and what they create, and especially in the audience too, but in me too as a singer. And I like to go back and forth between uh, uh, something really song, like in a more traditional way, and something yes more i mean closer to to what what we, what as you said to a noise or a scream or i don't know and that's what i like with working with chris because chris really likes it <laughs> when i go back and <laughs> forth and when i do my sounds <laughs> he's not afraid some musicians can be but he's not and it's and that's part of of the the marvel of this collaboration too. It's like, yeah, I, I know that I can go really freely on, on this fringe of weird sounds and, and it's always going to be like, ah, Austin, I like it. <laughs> so it's great. Oh, yes. That's well, true. It, I was watching some videos on YouTube and I think it was you and Chris and it was like sort of a sneak mm. preview, I think, of what, what's going to be on your tour, you know, pieces of a song. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious, um, Chris also seems to, you know, push the envelope. He's a little more avant-garde, too, but he also seems grounded in traditional jazz. So I'm wondering, True. do you think Chris working with you, did that give Chris more permission to maybe push his music to the edge? Well, I, we never talked about it, so I should, and then I, I would call you back and tell you. Um, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's a very good question. 
I don't know. Because I'm an, an East composition. I mean, is, a, is an amazing composer. Because, you know, it's the kind of composer who, who composed songs that seems really, I don't know, he, some kind of pop. Because easy to remember, but actually super complicated when you go into it. And uh, they're hard to sing. They're hard to play, like the harmony and the melody and, 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 and how they work together are very complex. But it never sounds complex. So I do believe that Chris has it in him, this avant-garde thing and, and exploration. But maybe so far he's been polite, but he's still young, so maybe it's going to be less polite with the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell me when you compose something like these pieces, which again, if you've never heard something like that before, like for a person who only listens to pop music, they come and hear you, I think it'd be Mm -hmm. easy to say, oh, you know, is this improv? Are you improvising? Because it has such Mm -hmm. an immediate feel to it. But how much of is prepared and written and how much of that is just of the moment? I would say in this repertoire, I would say it's 50 50, yeah, because there's a lot. Actually, you don't see it or hear it in the, in the little excerpt that you heard on, on, on YouTube. But, um, but there's a lot of things that, that are written, too. There's, there, there are proper mm-hmm. melodies on, on, on some poems, and they're, they're beautiful. Uh, I mean, I like it. I like. Again, it's always this thing of equilibrium. I like to go back and forth and from something really sung, the poem with the melody, and then we just disconstruct everything and we go to this like kind of chaos, cream, and kind of like other world or outer world. And then we go back and come back to something more more traditional in a way and and this is the old set is like this it's going back and forth and actually we don't stop in between songs we go really from one to another it's just like mixing from one another merging and and so it's still like a an hour of boom <laughs> right right well chris is a new yorker um you know, actually you're, you're... from seattle no, you're kidding. Oh, well, yeah. that's even better. I'm from Seattle, so I like that. You see? <laughs> Very good. So, well, how did you guys then connect, and how did it turn out that you were going to, you know, be performing on the East Coast in New York and all these great clubs? Well, actually, um before pandemic, I used to spend a lot of time in New York and like since 2016 or something like that, since I, I got my first artist visa. And, uh, and once I had gigs and no, and the people I, was, I used to play with were not available, so I, I just called a friend of mine who's a beautiful singer-composer, uh, Maria Meliagi, and she's, she's, she's American, and she said to me, well, I think you should definitely meet Chris. I think the two of you are going to play, and it's going to be like a match. 
so I said I did it and and it happened just what you said like did you know this kind of New York gigs where where you play the standards and we were playing the standards actually I sent him a, a set list with some long songs and Mingus songs and and he was like oh my gosh they're all my favorites <laughs> so that was wow. first very cool and uh, and we and we play like we play the standards but not really in the standard way <laughs> more like already a bit disconstructed on the first time we were playing together so that was really fun and so then and then we we started to talk about the music we liked and and the influences and and the big generation popped in um like he had he had a recorded ugly beauty you know this this song from monk um with the poem from one poem from from diane de prima on top of it and i had previously recorded ugly beauty too so it's funny uh and i had just finished um an experimentation with some big generation poets so it was really fun it was like we had been doing things in parallel a few years before we met so it, it was really fun and we said wow we should do something together and ta-da <laughs> and ta-da well when does this tour start so it's starting on the 20th of April and finishing on the 20th of May. So it's a little month and we're going to play New York, Boston, Chicago. And okay, I'm going to say it the wrong way because I know I'm not doing it properly, but I say San Luis, but I think you don't say it like this. I'm, I'm, it sounds too French when I say it. San Luis, like, St. Louis. how do you say it? <laughs> yeah, St. Louis, St. Louis. Okay, good. So, but, but, I, but I like Chicago, I like your but... I like your pronunciation though, San Luis. <laughs> okay, San Luis. <laughs> More mellow. <laughs> well, see, in America, we we just love uh, how French sounds. So anywhere you go, all you have to do is just speak, okay. and we'll love you. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> That's nice. Because <laughs> the, the French accent is, is like music itself. Oh, that's very nice. That's very kind. <laughs> well, you said um, April 20th. You start. Isn't that today? 20th? No, it's in a week. That, it's in 10 days. Oh yeah, no! So, You're right. Twenty knees. I, I thought. Sorry, twenty knees. <laughs> twenty knees. Oh, so that's so, hard to pronounce too. Twenty-nine. So, 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 what, what's the date? It's the twenty-something. Twenty-nine. Yeah. Oh, twenty-nine. Okay, so you have a, just a little yeah. over a week to prepare, and then it's going to be yeah. for about what two months or so. A month, a month, yeah. Uh, so a month on the road. So the, you fixed some really good venues. I was looking online, and I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of really nice jazz clubs. How receptive mm -hmm. are they to what you're doing? Like are some places, you know, they appreciate it, but they're thinking, wow, this is a little out there for us. Um, yes. 
to be honest, in St. Louis, so uh, we're, we're going to adapt a little bit uh, the repertoire. Um, and we're going to mix a few standard in between. Um, that's what they ask. And I think it's nice when, when you know that your audience can be a bit, uh, it can be a bit too, too much for your audience. I, I think it's nice to know it in advance. But otherwise, the other clubs, they're really into what we do. They were all like mm-hmm. super interested and intrigued by, by, by what we're going to do. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Well, for younger people, you know, especially ones who have never heard heard of the beat generation, which is scary. Yeah. It makes me feel old to think. There's a lot of, you know, <laughs> kids getting out of high school or people in their early 20s, and they just haven't mm-hmm. been exposed to a lot of, you know, these things. And, you know, we've got the Internet and we, you know, can hear everything now, but ironically, a lot of people have never heard music like yours or you know, expose themselves hmm. to something more avant-garde. So what are hmm. some reactions you get from younger people who experience this for the first time? Well, actually, in the end, they, they're okay. It's funny because they're skeptical at the beginning, but then they just plunge. You can you say plunge? They just dive into it and... and Mm-hmm. And in the end, they're okay. They, they, they usually appreciate it. It's, it's fun. Because we are mixing a lot of, of sounds that come from the music they listen to. Uh, because we're not, I mean, we're not disconnected from, from them totally. Um, so, so I think they can, they can find some stuff they can relate or connect and then it paves the way, uh, their way, uh, their musical journey <laughs> into what, what we offer. And, and so in the end, it's usually fine. I think that bookers are more afraid in advance to possible reaction of, of the young generation than the young generation is actually reacting. I don't know if it's clear what I said. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree. And how about the old-time jazz people? Are they receptive to your take on, on, on jazz and incorporating, you know, your avant-garde sounds? Maybe they would be the people who are the more uh, critic because it's not swing or it's not traditional jazz and I'm not singing like a traditional jazz singer. So there would be, I think there would be more critic than young people listening to pop music or, or electronic music somehow, mm-hmm. I think. Now for your tour but after people, you do the East Coast. Sorry? Oh, no, and I was just going to say, um, after you do the East Coast, um, are you going to do some performances in France? Yes, we're planning to, but I think it's going to be like in 2023 now. But yes, we're planning to, definitely, definitely. Things are mm-hmm. are, are still resuming slowly here in France, and because of the rebooking of loads of concerts that were planned before or, or in 2020 during the pandemic, um, Yes, the venues, they rebooked all, all, all those concerts, so it's a bit like a traffic jam in, in their agenda. 
So, uh, sure. so yes. But it's going to okay. happen well, for sure. Uh, well, before we wrap up here, I still have a few more questions for you, but where is the sure. best place for people to go online so they can, you know, see your tour dates and your concert dates and also just to learn more about your films, your music? Like, do you have a main uh, website they can go to? Yes, Clotilde, so C-L-O-T-I-L-D-E dot art, A-R-T, easy. And there's everything. Okay. And it's both in English and in French. Excellent. Well, what I want to wrap up with is, you know, I'm so intrigued that you can balance doing music, filmmaking, uh, playing the flute. We didn't even touch mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> You're a flute player, you know, on top of all this. But um, what, what is, you know, your motivator right now as a creative person? Because it seems like, you know, poetry runs through you, you know, pushing the boundaries runs through you. You know, just what is interesting you artistically right now? Um, I think it's feel the same energy I think I'm first struck by something happening in the world around me and then it's like an emergency to to say it and to me my way of saying things is through art and so uh, uh, yeah and then depending on what I want to say I will then choose the the medium, like for example, film or play or concert or an album or I don't know. It it's, it will depends on what I want to say. And for example, for this pieces of a song, somehow I'm so happy to to sing these words from Diane de Prima because they so unfortunately feel so accurate with what's happening now in the world everywhere. And so I think it's 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 a privilege to be able to uh, to go around and say her words and have people think somehow, but not think as they would go to a conference or a lecture, sorry, you think to a lecture or a, I don't know a political debate or no, first they will feel something through the music and 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 the emotions that that are created by art. And then they can link to the words and their meanings. And, and yeah, it's a real privilege to be to have this opportunity. And, and to me, I think that what's motivated me is, is because I feel lucky and grateful to be able to have this privilege, really, really. Well, you've created sort of an umbrella organization for your work and, and tell me if I'm pronouncing this right I think it's a ZigArt T-Z-I-G yes. ZigArt and, and I guess it's a, a creative incubator and it's like where you bring together uh, different disciplines yes exactly that it is that's, that's how I can create things and how we can collect funds and uh, and develop things and find partners like venues for artistic residencies. And it's really important. It's, uh, as you said, it's an umbrella, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. Now, where did the term zig art come from? Zig art. Um, well, I I created it with friends long long time ago, and at that moment. Um, we were really into uh, one of the friends I created it with is Russian actually, and we were really into the gypsies music. And in in French, we don't say gypsy actually we can, but we most of the time say tigan, which is t, which is the beginning of the word of of the of um, this uh, association. So tig art, and then art is uh, art. So that's that's how it started. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Coming from do, the do, music, do, from people. Sorry. Well, do you, do you kind of feel like that nomad? Do you feel like that you know that free spirit you know running through you? Definitely. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's really the nomadic thing, and also um, the freedom that nomad people have to. Uh, mix their culture with the one of the people they are crossing the road with, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. so I like this idea that we, we can learn from other people and, and improve and, and, yeah. So, yes, I'm very nomadic. I'm actually rarely at the same spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like it. Well, I saw on your website too that you know this the Zig art you've created, that it's been supported mm-hmm. by the DRAC Ile de France uh, since 2020. Mm-hmm. Is that like a, a government entity? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's uh, okay. Let me sure say DRAC Direction Régionale des Affaires. It's uh, the um, Regional, because we, we, we're cut into uh, uh, reg, what we call region, but for you it would be like state. So state, mm-hmm. uh, direct, uh, no, cultural services, state cultural services direction. I think it's the right way in English. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And in, in France, is the government good uh, about supporting the arts? Well, huh. It's election time, and people would say that they're bad, but um, <laughs> well, <laughs> but 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 when I compare to loads of countries in the world where I've been to playing or making music and meeting musicians and artists there, I think we're pretty lucky. We're, we're lucky in France. Yes, we're, we're quite protected by okay. our government. That's true. I guess it, it supports the arts if you're Carla Bruni. What? I, I guess the French government supports the arts if you're a singer like Carla Bruni. Um, no, not only. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the only, that's the only, isn't that funny? That's the only person that comes to mind as a singer in France is Carla Bruni and Oh well, but wasn't that, was that yeah, a fun no. era when she was the first lady? Was that kind of fun? <laughs> yes, definitely it was funny. <laughs> Did she put out that album while she was still first lady, or was that after? No, I think she put out one when she was a first lady. Yeah, if I remember well. 
And as a French citizen, uh, did that feel good to, to see, you know, someone in that position letting her hair down and having fun and singing covers of Rolling Stones music and just kind of being her own free spirit? Well, I think that's something French, uh, well, I suppose, you know, that's general speaking, so I suppose there are people who are really not standing it, but... Uh, but I also think that most of French people, they like this kind of rebellious image, you know? <laughs> like, well, she's the first lady, but she can walk around uh, with her hair like this and, and doing Rolling Stone things and parties and singing. And I think French people, they do like this kind of image of some, someone rebellious and, and who doesn't care about anything. Do, do you remember... Do, do you know Jeanne Moreau? Maybe you've heard about her, like um, oh, the, the actress. actress, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, same same kind of of um, well, totally different people, but but uh, she was this kind of person, really. Like, I don't care about what you say. I do whatever I do since the end of her life, and really talking about politics too, and but being super free-minded. So I think there's something in this ambiguity of, of behavior, like very free, but also very political that people like in France. I have this feeling, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. Or uh, Edith Piaf had no regrets. <laughs> Do you think that was like the, the ultimate... Uh, French women's liberation song. Uh, which one? Uh, Je ne regret rien. No, uh, je ne regret rien. Uh, no, rien de rien. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. No, I think they've been like. Uh, yes, there are, there are people like. Um, what's her name? Oh, I'm losing it. Oh, she's amazing. Mm, a oh. singer, a singer. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, gone, but it's, it's gone. It'll, it'll come back to you. Maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. Brigitte Bardot? Not Brigitte Bardot. Brigitte Fontaine. Brigitte Fontaine. Brigitte Fontaine. She's, she's amazing. Ah. You should Google her. I will. She's quite something. Well, she's something. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you, and I hope we get another chance, and I'd love to talk more about your films. But uh, before we go, I just want to give you the last word and just say something uh, encouraging in French to us. Um, Je vous souhaite une excellente journée, une excellente semaine, et une magnifique année pleine de rencontres, de bonheur, de partage et de joie.